Why would God come to earth himself? Can you imagine God in heaven doing everything that God does, totally sufficient, totally expecting everything to go as he wants, and he says, I want to go to earth. I want to become a man and live among them and then die the cruel death on the cross. Why would he do that? He would do that for you and for me. That's Christmas glory, and that's why we anticipate Christmas. Without the birth, there is no cross. Without the birth, there is no resurrection. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church. It's great to have you along as we are in the middle of the Christmas season right now, and many of you have had a wonderful Christmas day, and, and then this Christmas week in between where nobody knows what day it is and all these things I've heard this week, and now uh, we're going to be getting involved in uh, the new year and looking forward to what God's going to do in the new year. It's just exciting to be a part in some small way, and if you hear little voices in the background tonight, it's because I have uh, 10 of my grandkids here with me, and it's a blessing to have them but they can get loud at times. So anyway, just thank you for uh, putting up with that. Uh, we're talking about Christmas glory and Christmas anticipation. We're in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 40. So if you want to go ahead and uh, get your Bible or your, your book, uh, your, uh, excuse me, your, um, uh, I can't think, anyway, what's on your iPad or what's on your phone, excuse me, uh, whether it's uh, one of the, one of the uh, apps or even something that you find online. But anyway, uh, go ahead and get it and get ready. Uh, let's go ahead and jump straight into the questions. I know I normally do the sermon, but because Pastor Tommy didn't preach this past Sunday, I think we need to do a little more time on the questions, so we're going to do exactly that. So a lot of this stuff is going to be brand new because we did not get to hear it in the message. Uh, Luke's Gospel has four different songs of praise in the first two chapters, if you remember. Mary, Zechariah, the angels, and Simeon. So why do you think Luke includes these songs of praise? That's a good question. Uh, I think, of course, I think the answer is because what was about to happen was the most glorious, wonderful, incredible thing that has ever happened in all history. Jesus, our Savior, would be born. The angels are going to announce it to the shepherd. There's going to be great praise and great glory that's going to be happening. So the question is, how should, how should this challenge the way we think about the birth of Jesus? It's not about tradition. It's not about uh, whether or not we have enough lights on the house, whether we get enough presents, or all the things we think Christmas is. Here's the deal. Christmas is about Christ. Christmas is about God becoming man, that he might save a lost and dying world that is broken without him. So that's what we're going to talk about. All right, let's examine the text. Uh, we're going to be, uh, I'm going to let you read all these scriptures yourselves, but uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, of course, it's about Caesar Augustus and the in the, in the census, he asked the question, what, what is significant about Caesar Augustus? And if you remember the, the story that we learned, it, Caesar Augustus was this guy who actually was uh, called the son of God. And he was supposed to be the savior of the Roman Empire. So here he is, and Jesus is being born when this man, Caesar Augustus, one of the greatest emperors of all time, is... Uh, this uh, now uh, he is coming and saying, no, I am Jesus. I am the son of God. I am the one who will be the savior. So why does Luke include these details in his gospel? Well, because we know that Luke was written as a Gentile to Gentiles. And he was explaining to people who had been reading this, whether it be Greeks or Romans or other people that uh, outside of the Jewish uh, nation, 
would be reading this and they would have to understand that it is not Caesar Augustus, it's Jesus Christ. All right, go ahead and read Luke 2, 4 through 7. And if you need to pause every time, that's fine. Uh, if you don't want to and just want to listen, that's fine too. Uh, the birth of Jesus was simple and humble. What details does Luke give in these verses to help us understand the significance of Jesus and the significance of his birth? So if you remember some of the things, uh, Jesus was uh, born in a manger. Uh, that was not because he was born necessarily in some stable somewhere. As Pastor Tommy talked about, the, the simplicity of them having to find a place where his people would have been, his people where they were from Bethlehem, and then they would have had a guest room. Remember all the story of the guest room and everything that happened there? Uh, the entire situation that he was born there, that he was born in a manger, that he was not announced. He should, In our opinion, he should have been born in a palace or near the temple or something like that, but instead he was, he was announced in the in, out in the middle of nowhere where the shepherds were tending their, their flocks. And then the, the shepherds, the humble shepherds who nobody wanted around were the ones that announced his birth. That's All those things are very significant. Jesus was not coming for the greatest and the highest. He was coming for those who needed saving from sin and debauchery and needed freedom in Christ and needed all those things. He was coming to the lowest and the least. Um, so, uh, go to Luke chapter 2, verses 18 to 15. Uh, what, why does God choose to announce the birth of his son to shepherds instead of people with higher social standing? I think we just talked about that. So, why does God send a multitude of angels rather than one angel to announce the birth of Jesus to the shepherds? All right, let's pull back. I think you know the answer to this, but it's very simple. Here, the Son of God is born in a manger. And instead of one angel, like Mary got, or, or uh, one angel that Zechariah got, the multitude of the heavenly host is praising God and saying, this is Jesus. This is the one born. This was a big deal. This was more than a big deal. This was light. This was something that had never nor will ever happen again, where God became man, where we call the incarnation happened. And it was announced to the shepherds. Now, go back and read carefully the words of the angels. What's significant about the message of the angels? He tells them that you go, you find the baby, and you're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. They didn't tell him where to go. They tell him how to get there. They didn't tell him what the house was. Remember, they were very clear that they would find this baby. And to the, to the shepherds, this idea of swaddling clothes or wrapped in cloths, that's the idea, was going to be very significant. They were, they were going to have to go down. Remember Pastor Tommy talking about knocking on the doors and saying, hey, listen, how in the world do we, we get to this guy? How do we get, to, we, want, we want to find the son of God. How do we get to him? And they say, I don't know. No baby is in swaddling clothes here. No baby was born. Certainly there probably could have been some babies born that night. Who knows? Um, so that's very significant that these angels tell them enough that they need to go that they have to go search for Christ. Um, very significant words. All right, number four, Luke 2, 16 to 20. Why would God choose shepherds to be the first evangelist? I think it's very, very understandable because as the lowest and the least and the ones that were out, sinners needed, needing a savior, they were them. They were the ones who would go and they would be the ones that would hear and they would be the ones that respond and they would say, look what has happened here. And besides that, Jesus being born, the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world, according to John chapter 1. Uh, so we have all those things going on with shepherds being the first evangelist. 
Um, now, let's get into what does Luke mean when he tells us that Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart. Now, um, I think for sure we know that Mary had to know uh, in her heart, as she put these things in her heart, she was trying to deal with what the purpose and plan of Christ was going to be. She knew she carried the Son of God. In my, my little small infinite brain, um, I also think that this was Luke's way of letting us know, and I'm going to talk about that in my message, uh, that, uh, that this was about Mary, um, that this was about her understanding. This was about um, this idea that she would be the one that would then be able to share what had happened in her life and that she had treasured it up in her heart and she had shared it with Luke when he went to the eyewitnesses. Um, Simeon is often at the temple, and, and so Simeon then came, and he also shared these, these good news things that happened in the, in the year before. All right. Uh, Luke 2, verses 1 through 24, uh, 21 through 24. What was the purpose of circumcision? It was to remember. The idea was this is the covenant. This is the covenant, and the circumcision was proof of the covenant that God had shared with Israel. Uh, why was it important that Jesus was circumcised and that Mary and Joseph pre present at the temple? Very simple. He had to fulfill all the law. And this was part of him fulfilling the law and doing so he could be perfect, so he could be the perfect son of God, not denying any part of the law. What does these verses teach us about the role of Jesus? That Jesus was all man. And as all man, he had to, he had to do uh, what God had told all men to do. And this was one of those roles. All right, Luke 2, 25 to 35. What is significant about Simeon's song of praise? Now, if you go back to Simeon, and you start, I talked, talked to him a little bit earlier, uh, Simeon was down, if you remember, Simeon was down at the, at the temple, and he was asking the question, was today the day? And Simeon, being often at the temple, saw his parents. Uh, they would come in the firstborn. He would say, is this the Messiah? Simeon's life was a life of waiting, wasn't it? probably always asking the question, how long? Then the Spirit of God guided Simeon to the temple, either in the court of the Gentiles or court of the women. Either way, it doesn't matter. It was a crowded place. And in the distance, he sees the parents with a child, and Simeon knows that. He rushes to the parents, he grabs the child in his arms, and Mary and Joseph were probably taken back. Now listen to the words of what Simeon says. He says, you can dismiss your servant in peace. God had now fulfilled his promise to Simeon. So Simeon could depart. He could die knowing that this child was the salvation not only of Israel, but the entire world. Verse 32 tells us that. The child would then fulfill the promises made to Abraham, to David, and to Israel itself. So that's huge significance. Now, when you read uh, verse uh, 20, uh, 35, um, as, as we are command, uh, told to do here, uh, what does Simeon mean when he tells Mary a sword will pierce your own soul? Well, obviously. This is a precursor to what would happen with Jesus on the cross. She, I can imagine is that spear was driven through his side. She felt it, just like Jesus, in, the, in, in an emotional way. She, she was going to go through it with her own son, just like you would with your own child. A sword will pierce, pierce your own soul. So all this glory, all this praise, and then a reminder to Mary that his gift is the gift of his very own son. All right, uh, Luke 2, 36 to 38, this is the last part. It says, it seems um, like Luke's description of Anna is an afterthought. So why uh, is Anna's story significant? 
So here's here we, we've talked about Simeon, and now let's talk a little bit about Anna. Um, let me um, see where we're going to go with this. All right. Uh, it almost seems like, let me say that again, it seems like an afterthought. Why is Anna's story significant? Uh, Anna's story is significant because she bookends uh, what's going on, the joy, the suffering, and now the joy. And you hear that in her life. You hear with Anna that she's not just a bookend. She is going to bring joy to the whole story as well as she rejoices in what Jesus has done uh, in bringing this wonderful child into, into the world. That is the promise of God, and she also saw the fulfillment of the promise of God. Um, so, uh, let's see here. All right, let's go on to the next question. Now, uh, number, let's apply the truth. Number one, the Christmas story is a reminder that Jesus has come so that we can have peace of, with God. How can having peace with God help us to experience the peace of God? Bottom line, if we have peace in our hearts, we can be much more at peace with what's going on when we see when we live in this broken world. And certainly it can help us have that same peace that uh, only Jesus uh, can give to us. Um, Philippians 4, 6. It says that we have the peace of God, the peace that passes understanding. Now also, uh, second, second application of truth, Jesus is Emmanuel. Not, excuse me, that means God with us. Why does it matter that God is with us? Now, bottom line, guys, he has always wanted to be with his people. That's why he came and sought Adam and Eve in the garden. He wanted to be with them. That's why he came down and talked to Abraham about the promise that he was about to give him. That's why he let Moses see him on the mountain. That's why David had such incredible fellowship with him. That's why we have all the prophets from Ezekiel to Jeremiah to even the minor prophets, having this ongoing relationship and being so concerned about the temple of God and, and God dwelling with his people. And now, God is with us. He is one of us. How can we live our lives with a better awareness that our lives are lived in the presence of God? Jesus is now with us. He is what uh, the book of Colossians calls, uh, calls the hope of glory in us. He is the hope of glory, Jesus. So if we know that he's always with us, wherever we go, whatever we do, we can know for sure that we're going to be able to do things like endure when we go through the struggles and the pain because we're going to suffer for our faith, right? So we endure with conviction. We're convinced that Jesus is the king that every knee will bow to. We endure with purpose. We still have that mission. We keep making Jesus known, keep showing the love of Christ. We endure with hope. We know how the story ends. So let's go back to Anna for one second. We have Anna, the statement of suffering, then more joy. Anna, this elderly widow, didn't leave the temple. She knew the same thing Simeon knew. This child was a redemption of Israel. So what she did is she brought joy into this relationship. She brought that joy, as I said earlier, and makes all the suffering that she had gone through pale, in comparison, it is not even to be compared to the glory that awaits us. So, with that in mind, what does wait on the Lord mean? What does that mean? Okay, so if we're going to wait on the Lord, then we as the people of God got to say, okay, Lord, I, I know that you have a plan. 
I know that you have a purpose. Even when I'm struggling, even when it, I don't see the, the end from the beginning, even when I know that I feel like I don't have all the answers, I don't know what's coming next, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? It means, Lord, I got to wait on you. Because you have a plan, you have a purpose, you have timing, you know when it best works. In your plan, not mine, but your plan. I know that we misquote the verse, and I'm just going to say this and take it for what it's worth, that we quote uh, Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for good to the lo those who love God and are called according, to, called according to his purpose. But the actual understanding of that is that for the good, that's the good of the kingdom of God. So, with that in mind, how can you better wait on the Lord? Like Anna, how do you better wait on the Lord? If we're going to endure these things, that's where we go back to this idea of conviction and purpose. And you might want to revisit this with your Life Connection group. Just revisit that, this idea of living with conviction, living with purpose, and living with hope because we know how the story ends. That's why Jesus is worth the wait. Amen. And then finally, let's respond to the truth. What do you think God is calling you to do in response to Luke 2, 1 through 40? And, of course, some of the things we talked about, uh, certainly the biggest thing is enduring uh, while we're doing it. One of the things we didn't go over is we talked about God is sanctifying you. God will glorify you. And, therefore, don't, don't waste the wait. So uh, God in the process is making us and making us into who he wants us to be. And then in response to Luke 2, 1 through 40, what should you pray this week? All right. And of course, the answer is God, use whatever is going on in my life to, to help make me who you want me to be so that I can bring you glory and that I don't waste this weight with you. All right, guys, that's the best I can do with what I've got. And if it's not enough, I'm sorry. Go ahead and do, do a little more study. But maybe this will help you just get, uh, get through the questions and uh, do some discussion with it. Okay, let me pray for you and I will let you go and I will see you tomorrow morning. Father, thank you for all the goodness. Thank you for your love that you give us. May we depend upon you as never before. We thank you, Lord, that you are sanctifying us. You are making us who you want us to be. And Lord, that is why we can endure with conviction, purpose, and hope. We know how the story ends. We know that we have a mission serving you. We know that Jesus is the king that one day every knee will bow to. May we live with that in our lives every single day. Whether we're Simeon or Anna or Zacchaeus, excuse me, Zechariah or Mary, help us to live with our lives wrapped around Jesus and bring him glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.